Fuck it, we're going. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. chasers of light to the purveyors of pictures to all of you listening this is the f11 photography podcast good morning vietnam yes good morning uh how are you doing today brandon oh man what a day what a day i've been awake for approximately 26 minutes yes yes uh brandon did get here today uh so uh, what you been up to lately uh lately we've been taking photos of people kevin uh we just saw jeff mills recently actually and that was that was a lot of fun uh legendary 90s was it detroit techno god pretty awesome coming to austin texas he's not a photographer he's not a photographer but he is a dj you should have taken his picture man i did with my phone right on well, my core body temperature is kind of cold right now. I uh, got scuba certified yesterday in the waters of Lake Travis. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Austin area, we have a Colorado River here, and it's not the Colorado River that powers the western United States. We have our own Colorado River because, you know, in Texas we have to have our own everything. So <clears throat> we have a bunch of lakes that are dammed off, and they have the uh, they have Lake Travis there. And... There's not a lot of good scuba diving places in the middle of Texas, shocker. And even if you go to the Gulf, it's just a bunch of mud and jellyfish. And um, the instructor was telling me like, hey, so we're going to go down to like 40 feet. And uh, There's this thing called the thermocline, which if you're familiar with the atmosphere and weather, as you change in different parts of the atmosphere, the temperature changes drastically. Well, that's the same with water. And I went down to the thermocline, and when you go down in the thermocline, it's like putting your head in a frozen margarita. So, like, I was wearing a wetsuit, a seven-millimeter wetsuit, and you have your mask on and you have your hood on, but there's just, like, this tiny little exposed part on your forehead, and it's the worst brain freeze ever, dude. It goes away after a few minutes, but it is miserable, and all this is leading up to a scuba trip in the Florida Keys, so it's all going to be great, and it's going to be, like, 90-degree water, water and everything, so... I'm looking forward to it. That's what I've been up to lately. It sounds like winter surfing in California. You, you duck dive under a wave and you get an immediate brain freeze. Yes. However, no great white sharks and no crazy surf to pull me with an undertow and take me out and drown me. So I, I those surfers are crazy, man. Mm, mm. But anyway, let's get to the episode. Today's episode, Sending the Ladder Back Down. Now, this is uh, something that can apply to all parts of your life. It doesn't necessarily have to apply to just photography, but it is something that is very uh, big in photography, something that happens. And what am I talking about when I'm talking about sending the ladder back down? So as we grow as photographers, uh, some of us are incredibly talented 
uh, and we work hard and success comes our way. Some of us are talented and success falls in our lap. And because we are equipped correctly, we have the skills to pounce on a situation. And those situations, of course, I applaud those people and I'm happy for them. And then there's other people who over time gain experience like myself, like I have experience just by being around long enough. And, and so uh, this concept of sending the ladder back down. So when I was coming up, you know, and this is still something that people do today, but like uh, people will not share their secrets. They will not help those out who are trying to learn. Um, they will not share their success with others. They will not share their connections with others. They will not share their uh, shoot locations with others. I had a, I had a photographer once, uh, I, I, so I'm a dork. Uh, I don't know if you got the memo, but like sometimes like on my Instagram stories, I'll just like plug in a latitude and a longitude for my shoot location, you know, let's work for it. Right. And some guy was like, Hey, where was this shot? Or, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. He's like super fast on the, uh, Oh, you don't have to tell me where you shot. And I'm like, I'll tell you where I shot it. Like, what are you so afraid of? But you know, people, I guess are afraid of, of getting, uh, you know, squashed and like, like, you know, just, Hey, don't, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to share my my secrets with you. And I don't know if it comes from uh, you know people's fear that like oh you're gonna steal my clientele or whatever. And that's something else. It's like if you are going to lose clients because you tell other photographers the things you know about photography, then you have much larger problems at hand because that means that you suck at business or whatever, and you cannot maintain your clientele. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, 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 the episode I want to talk about today is the, the subject I want to talk about today is, you know, sending the ladder back down, uh, examples of when you should send the ladder back down. And, uh, obviously I love the fact that we're almost 20 years apart so I can get a different perspective on it. But when I was going, when I was coming up, like these old grizzled photographers were just like, hell no, I'm not teaching you anything, which the only way you can navigate around that would be by. Be, you know, being a intern for right. a really awesome photographer. So by, what's by tying them up? Yeah, what, and beating them in a in a low lit room. Yes. So what's what's the landscape like uh, for your age group these days, Brandon? Um, to be honest, I haven't actually encountered the problem in in well, <laughs> the problem. I guess that really there's a Freudian slip that shows what I think about sending the ladder back down. Um. No, uh, my in my generation, a lot of people are very happy to send the ladder back down. Um, in fact, I think it's more of a conscious thing on our minds is that when when someone does ask for help in photography or for a location or for like this models, like, you know, how did they shoot or like, you know, what was it like working with this person? I think a lot of people actually overshare. I think they're very much aware that there is that idea of sending the ladder back down and they don't want to be the person that doesn't do it. So if I have an up and coming photographer say, Hey, I know nothing. Teach me everything. I could literally give them my camera, teach them everything that I know, everything that I know, even give them my clients and they would not take pictures that look like my pictures. They would take pictures that look a little different than my pictures, you know, because that is the thing about the artistic eye is that, you know, if, if, if it were that simple, a lot of our pictures would look the same and we have our own artistic eye. We may maybe change our angle a little bit or whatever, and it makes the picture look completely different. And so I, I just think it's ridiculous. And I don't, I don't know if it's a, um, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Cause I do see this sometimes 
with the older generation, and this is going to be a commentary on a generation that can uh, apply across all walks of life, not just photography, but like I see this all the time. You get these uh, older people who make fun of younger people. And this is, and as somebody who's 42, I'm starting to get into the older people category. And this drives me crazy, especially when it's like a parent. So, like, I saw this uh, video on YouTube where these older people were laughing at their daughter uh, because she didn't know how to use a rotary phone. And I was like, well, first and foremost, your daughter's never had to use a rotary phone. And second of all, who whose job is it to teach their daughter how to use the rotary phone? Her fucking parents who are making fun of her, you know, it's like, it's like, and so, uh, you know, and when those situations arise, you, you know, you need to not be a jerk about it. So like in our last episode, our interview with Jason Berkman, we were talking about the process of uh, making prints and you don't do, you came into this point where you were like, Hey, I am, I'm admittedly ignorant about how to make prints because I don't have an enlarger and I've never done it before. And so rather than Brandon and I go, ha let's all laugh at Brandon because he doesn't know how to make prints. We, we just explained to you how we, how we did it. It was and, a simple five minute process. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you, you have two roads you can go down. You can, uh, leave people with knowledge and you can die a better person or you can say, screw you. I'm keeping all my toys. And then you know what that person's going to go do? They're going to go learn how to do it on YouTube anyway. And the only walk away from that is that you're an asshole and that they still like got to where they needed to get. And so then when I was coming up, there was no YouTube. And so it was, you know, it was easier to guard your secrets, but nowadays, like, you know, first and foremost, most people's quote unquote secrets aren't even like, like there's nothing amazing about them. It's just, I didn't learn this thing yet. Right. And it also, uh, and I don't want to like get stuck in the generational thing and the years of knowledge thing, because it goes the other way. So like, uh, when I was finishing up my degree, there was one semester of Photoshop InDesign and, uh, what's the other one? Photoshop InDesign and, uh, what, what am I? Illustrator. Illustrator. Thank you. It, I've only had one cup of coffee and it's the morning we're recording. So, but we only had one semester. So in my entire education, formal education of photography, I got one very condensed semester of those three programs because film was still king then. And so it was like this new concept. Now I'm, I'm assuming like now one of the best ways you can make money in photography is not even being a photographer. It's being a retoucher. And so, uh, I mean, I, I know so many photographers who are super talented, but they make 90% of their, their money retouching. And, uh, you don't learn that in just a semester of Photoshop classes. You probably have to get a certification that takes several uh, semesters to get. And and so my point being there is Plus that's not even that's not even like certifiable. That's about learning how to see. Yeah, exactly. Learning how to see color. Yeah, and then uh, but then but, but my point there is is everybody you know knows something that you don't, and so I as I'm getting older, I'm like, Hey, take a step back and like, listen to what the younger generation is saying about things and, and what the concepts that they're learning and see if you can take something from that and put that notch on your belt. There's a lot of things where you should definitely pass the ladder down. Um, like, like you said, you could, you could give someone your camera and you can teach them everything you know about photography. And obviously they're not going to create the same photo. However, I do think there is a gray area. Like, if someone wanted to learn how to how to edit, um, so let's 
you know, let's say you develop your own very like specific editing style and you go through your own flow and stuff like that. Um, for a lot of people, their photos are post-production, like super post-production heavy, like that's their identity. And that's how you can tell what their photos are. Maybe they go for a more HDR effect or maybe they go for a more like mid-range effect and they, they shoot very dark and bring everything up to around the mid-range level where there's not a lot of contrast. And then they use like, you know, like let's say they just use pinks and greens in a lot of their photos or something like that. And you could teach someone who's just learning how to shoot like your whole editing style from top to bottom because say you're the type of person that likes to use like 13 layers on Photoshop to to come to an image or you use a specific like style of preset on Lightroom and then take it into Photoshop and then have a process there or vice versa. I think sending the ladder back down in in that regard um could be a little bit I don't know. It's I don't I wouldn't want someone copying me. They wouldn't be producing the same thing, but it's it's taken me years and years and years to learn how to you know, how to use and compound different techniques on Photoshop because obviously there's multiple ways to skin a cat. You can achieve a look on Photoshop and Lightroom through, you know, in many different ways and baking out your own formula after years and years of using it is is something that's really unique to you. And, at the, I mean, you know, it's not a secret as well, but it's, it's sending the ladder back down and, and, like, telling someone how to edit to achieve this certain look if it's your look and that's the look that defines you in in a space in a marketable space i do think that's kind of a gray area where i'd show people how to achieve the look they're wanting to go for like if they ask me like hey like i want to do this with a photo i don't know how to get there i just learned how to you know i just open photoshop how do i get this look if it's not my look <laughs> by all means i'll help them but um if they're trying to achieve what what i am just doing on a daily basis um, I'd probably just say, hey, like, I'll help you with anything else, but I just don't want someone copying me right now. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, but even then, like, you could teach me your entire editing style, but if I shoot in a completely different style with lenses that see a little differently and all that, even if I try to edit in your style, it's still going to look a little different. I I know. And I, I, that's the funny thing is I know that's totally true. And I hear where you're coming from. But it's it's just it's the principle because and I, I've seen this happen over time is um, when I when I started uh, getting to a place in digital photography where I was just like, oh, OK, like I, I really like where this is going and I can kind of springboard off of this into, you know, into the future. It's like it was like my first level of like sustainable good edits that I'd come to in in um, as a photographer. And there was someone who wasn't even shooting as a photographer at the time who was um, a big fan of my work on Instagram. And when they started shooting, when they decided to pick up a camera, all their photos looked like mine for about a year and a half. But it was a phase. It was a phase, but it irked me. I didn't like it. <laughs> See, when I was your age, I was the same way. I'd be like, stop copying me. But then as I've gotten older, I've realized that Okay, but if somebody copies me, what are the consequences? Are they going to take my clients? Nope, because I'm in charge of my uh, clientele. And what they're doing, first of all, it's a compliment. But what they're doing is they're figuring out what you did. Usually this is what happens. They're figuring out what you did so they can now take it and 
take it into a direction where they're going to go. So they're learning something you did, but then they're going, okay, now I'm going to go do my own thing with it over here. And I'm going to take this other thing that this other person uh, did. And I see emulation all the time. I've emulated other photographers. And so as long as it's a phase, I don't, I don't see that being an issue. If it's a phase, what that's telling me without even talking to them is they were just really going through a thing in development where they're like, okay, now I've absorbed the lesson that Brandon has taught me. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. That doesn't so, seem realistic. You see, I'd like, you know, emulating like someone like Helmut Newton or emulating Tyler Shields emulating Tyler or Helmut Newton, you know, that seems, that's more approachable. Emulating someone who's been in MoMA or like has their photo books published at the Met, like mm -hmm. that makes more sense. But emulating someone who lives, you know, a number of miles away from you, that seems, that's kind of a stretch, you know? You think so? I, I kind of do. That doesn't make sense to me. With, huh? the, with, the, with the world and the information age the way it is, it seems kind of unnecessary. I'm, I, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I, I still I still dig in that I think that if, if they're not emulating you anymore, then it was a phase and it was just something that they were learning and putting a feather in their cap. But You know, I, just might, I might be a contrarian this early in the morning without caffeine, but... Um, yeah, I do think the editing style is is one thing, but everything else, everything else completely open to locations. In fact, I encourage it. In fact, if people even mention that they might have interests, but they that they seem like they don't want to ask the question out of like politeness, I go ahead and tell them. I tell them location, I give them I give them model information after, you know, asking the model and stuff like that. I I I give them like props if they need props. I tell them what lenses I'm using, I tell them what camera I'm using, I tell them how I'm shooting, what time of day, where the sun's facing, if they you know, all that sort of stuff. You are listening to the F eleven photography podcast. So when I was younger, if I saw some like photograph that another photographer took that is really good. I don't know. I, I might get that little jealous bug in me like, oh, you know, you're like, damn it. But what you're really telling yourself is I, I wish I'd taken that shot. <laughs> that's really what you're That's what that feeling is. And so now that I'm a little older and I understand that feeling, I'm like, well, okay. Rather than being jealous about that, like just praise them and go, man, that's a great shot. And that's it. Like that's, that's it. That's it. Like I had an opportunity to be a dick and I decided not to be a dick. Awesome. The models you work with in your town are going to work with other photographers and other photographers are going to take really awesome pictures of those exact models. And of course that inner artist and you was like, shit, I haven't taken a picture of that model that well. And then you're going to be like, what am I doing wrong? And you have this internal dialogue and it's okay. Uh, there's, there's, there's an other complexities to that, that we'll get into in another episode. Sometimes you're just not compatible with a model. You, t you, the two of you cannot connect the way another photographer can. I've seen models that you've worked with that I've worked with. I'm like, he connects better with that model. Okay, great. I don't go, ah, shit, Brandon, you know, fuck Brandon. <laughs> you know? I'm just It'd like, be cool. Okay. If you did though, Kevin, <laughs> no, I'm good. I have a buddy who codes for IBM and like, I never, for the longest time, I could never like really wrap my head around the world of coding. I was like, it just seems so complex. He's like, it's really not complex because a bunch of people did the work before us and we just build on it. So it's like, it looks like I had this complex string of code, but like 90% of it was done over years by somebody else. And we just take and build on it. And that kind of made me uh, step back and reflect. And, and so it's like, you know, this, the people who don't want to share their secrets, they tend to have this uh, mentality that I hear in the world, whereas... Well, you know what? I suffered, so you have to suffer too. And what they don't realize, the irony of it is you did suffer, 
you suffered so badly that your takeaway from suffering was that other people had to suffer, not that I'm going to learn from my suffering and make sure that the next generation doesn't have to suffer as I did, and I'm going to try to make the world a better place for them. So, yes, you did suffer, but not in the way you thought. You suffered because your takeaway was wrong. And, and you know, as I've gotten and, – and, and there was this, like, sm small period of my life where I, I felt that way too, but then as I've gotten a little older and reflected, I'm like, no, 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 no. Make the world a better place for the people. Make it easier. Like, like oh, I had to suffer to come up with this editing style, and I finally figured it out. And it's and to me, like, where I'm at now, it's like, I'll just tell you. Like, here's my Photoshop actions. And, like, like please don't make your shit look like my shit, okay? But, but this is how I did it. And if you want to take that and take it into whatever direction you want to take it into, great. Because at the end of the day, I have control over my clientele. I have control over my own work, and if somebody wants to copy me, good for them. Uh, th that doesn't mean that they're as good with clients as I am. And even if they use the same clients that I use, I can still maintain my clients because I have that part of my life under control, that part of my business under control. So to qualify, I definitely – I think it's more the idea of someone copying me is what bothers me. It's it, it just seems unnatural. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. It is, but I've never like deliberately gone out and looked at someone and said, "Man, I want to do what they're doing." No, I've always wanted to. I just I want to do what I want to do. What Brandon wants to do. I mean, I, I do want to do what Helmut Newton did, but anyway, <laughs> I want to. I want to be as I want to be as creative as Helmut Newton, but I don't want to do what he did. Well, he was a he was a, he was a borderline pervert, but. <laughs> <laughs> they all they all were prior to like prior to the 2000 era they all were it just came with it salvador dali oh yeah salvador dali talked about how he i think it was how he he like emotionally abused his partner and loved it he'd bring her to the point of tears because it was cathartic for him to an, to a point i think there was one painting that was inspired by him walking by a dead mule in the streets and to better inspire him and to better like get an idea of what he wanted to paint around this dead mule that he walked by, he went home, got a spoon, came back, and carved out its eye in person. You know, and we're all here looking at looking at Salvador Dali and like in his underwear painting in a river and like, oh Dali's such a he's such a screwball. No, they're all nuts. They're literally all nuts. I, I, I totally agree with that. So like I had a conversation with a photographer the other day and she was just like you know, she's like, Oh, I hate why do I hate all these like people that make great work? And, you know, sometimes art has to come from a dark place. Sometimes you have to suffer to create good art. We're not all tuned the same way. And I look at it with, with music. Most of the artists that I love listening to in their personal lives, they're all assholes. Like, all assholes. Like, I would have the most boring taste in music if I had to have a purity test that every musical artist had to pass uh, in order for me to listen to their music. It's like I not, I'm not listening to them because they're a great dad or they're a great husband or whatever. <laughs> I'm listening to them because they know how to write good music. And I, I hate to burst the bubble of anyone listening who's younger, but most of your heroes are tortured and terrible people. All right, now that I got out of the way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> seriously, like, I look – well, and then you get into, like, you know, this stuff like uh, – you know, I don't want to get too into a political rant here, and it's, I'm not going to. We're but, towing the line here. Well, the thing is, is they're like, well, I found out that – so-and-so holds this belief and therefore I can't support their work anymore. Like I had beliefs when I was in my late teens, early twenties that I don't hold today. 
And so, uh, you know, if I have to pass, you know, down the road, I mean, I didn't do anything like crazy or anything. I just had these beliefs of the world that were misguided because I wasn't old enough to have experienced the world enough and, and, and come to my own conclusions. And then when you start seeing uh, people in other walks of life and, and seeing other cultures and all that, you're like, oh, hey, I was wrong on that. And there's nothing wrong with evolving. And that's what I did. I evolved. But if I had to be – if my entire life I had to be held to the standard and if I ever violated that standard at any point in time, I could no longer have things like a career or no longer have the freedom to do other things. As long as I don't like put somebody's life in jeopardy or do something bad to somebody, I don't think that the punishment should be that like I should no longer live my life. It's like are we going to like execute – like we're going to execute somebody because they made some off-the-cuff remark in a business place or something like that. Like you can no longer have a life. Like you have to sell your house. You have to like quit your, you have to get fired from your job. It's like, if you do something that lands you in jail, that's a completely different thing. The law sees that you should go to jail. So yes, that makes sense. But you know, I just think that we, we push that a bit too far sometimes in our society. Yeah. And speaking of society, we, our society is extremely uncomfortable with asking for help especially in the creative world. A lot of people are timid um, and, you know, you can get into a lot of conversations in person with fellow photographers or on Instagram, which is more commonplace for me because I'm constantly busy editing in cafes and don't get out quite nearly as much as I'd like to. But I think it's important as, as someone in a creative field, uh, specifically photography, I think it's really important for them to ask for help or to to ask where that location is or to ask, you know, how you shot this photo, to ask, you know, how, how you got this done, what props you use, how you made that set and everything. And, and there's no shame in it and there's, there's no hurt that should come from it because if you're asking, that means that you're trying to grow, you're trying to expand, you don't know how to get there. Because after all, most of photography is, is, is stored knowledge in your mind. It's all just what you see. And you want to learn to see differently because it, most of it's intangible. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. You know, not to get morbid, but once you get to the other side of 40, they, they, they joke, oh, you're over the hill. You're on the other side of your life. And it's like, yeah, I, I am. So, like, I have less time than I used to. And I have this finite time. And so, uh, you know, I... I want to ask because it's like, hey, I need to get from point A to point B. Hey, how did you do this? I'm, I'm, I'm doing another project that kind of borrows off this vibe. I just want to know how you do this. And there is no shame in doing it. And I'm always happy when people reach out to me. I'm always like, people ask me to evaluate my own work. I'm always like, kind of like, oh, you know, I'm okay. But like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm at least good enough objectively to where people reach out to me to want to assist me. Like, and I always feel weird about it because I don't have like a paid internship position available, but they're always like, no, 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 I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. I just want to learn. And, you know, I was originally like uncomfortable about it, but then I, I start thinking about like almost all the photographers that I, I, I you know, I admire. Uh, most of them have similar stories. Like, yeah, I just, I just like walked onto a set and started assisting for free and all that. And then. You also think about the cost of a four-year education at a university for photography and how much that costs. I mean, they're paying money for that. This, they're they're not paying anything. They're just paying for it in time, but they're gaining knowledge. And as, uh, as somebody who has a degree, uh, my minor is photography, and I have I took I did the formal route. Uh, the experience I got firsthand uh, was much more valuable than the book book experience. So. 
my guilt went away on that uh, when people reached out to me and wanted to, you know, wanted to assist. I was like, sure. Uh, but you know, sometimes, sometimes the assistant thing, like I have, so I had a, another thing that's taught me patience, a story about patience. So I had a, a, a photographer, young and up and coming photographer reach out to me and they're like, Hey, um, I want to assist you on a shoot. And there was a local, uh, um, vintage boutique and we were going to do a styled shoot, um, with a really awesome model. And we went downtown into downtown Austin. We did a location shoots and the assistant was just like, I'll do whatever. He was, he was just super eager, super good kid. And I was like, all right, so, uh, you know, I'm gonna have you hold a beauty dish. And if you go look up the windiest days in Austin in 2022, this was the day that we decided to go out with, with lighting modifiers and all that. Uh, 40 mile an hour sustained winds, uh, just insane. And, and it was like, it, it was only, it was, it was like a 50 degree day, but the wind chill made it like, feel like it was 20. Like it was insane how, 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 how cold it was. And the assistant, uh, was out there holding it down. The model was doing an incredible job. I knew this model was awesome, but like, that was the day where I was like, okay, this model can do anything. <laughs> like it was awesome. But one of the things he asked was, Oh, can I bring my camera along? And I was like, sure, whatever. Uh, but what I didn't realize is like, he was taking pictures of the model, like in her clothes and stuff, like while she's posing and, and the shots when I wasn't using the modifier and I was just like, Oh, that's weird. And then I got home that night and he posted all the terribly edited pictures on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, it was like, if you could like check off everything you're not supposed to do yeah that could drive on a set you know and i was super patient about it but like i had a i had a i had a boss at a job once who said you know sometimes like when you're faced with a with a decision sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing and i'm like what he's like no no no. I, i promise you like i will go to my phone and i will look at my phone and i will see like three or four panic emails that come up and I just wait an hour and guess what happens? All those panic emails that the problems end up, end up working themselves out and they, they solve the problem. So, so tying this into my story, I mean, you know, I, I was naturally not happy about that. I was like, holy shit, man. Like <laughs> you came in to assist me on a project and not only did you take pictures, uh, which I thought maybe he's doing behind the scenes, but then I was like, wait a minute. And then that night he puts his edits up on my, of, of, of a shoot that I had spent months putting together and but anyway you know it gets three or four likes or whatever and i think he figured out pretty quickly that ooh, i shouldn't have done that he never said anything to me but he uh he never like he, he never reached out to me again i think i think he was like dead of embarrassment at that point but uh you know at the end of the day unfortunately uh the guy really nice guy ended up drowning uh in december so it was you know i i, I would have felt guilty but i would like tore him a new one and then like he ended up like dying later you <laughs> know i don't know i'm weird about that kind of stuff but uh but it's way too early for this emotional roller coaster yes. what the hell are you talking about <laughs> yeah but anyway my, my <laughs> he drowned in- <laughs> no he drowned yeah he, he went swimming he went swimming i don't want to talk talk too much about it moral, I, I don't- of, moral of the story don't fuck up other people's shoot because then something really awful might happen no no my, my takeaway my takeaway was uh some Things aren't worth going after. Like, like I knew that the reason he did it was because he was so green. He didn't even know he was doing something wrong, which to me, as 
as experienced as I am, I'm like, what are you doing? I could have, I could have torn a new one. I had every reason to tear a new one, but the, you know, younger me, 25 year old version of me. I mean, gosh, he, 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 I might've driven him out of photography. I would have, I would have been so mad at him, but I, 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 my, my, my takeaway from that is even though to a lot of people, it may not sound like I did the right thing. I feel like I did the right thing because it's like, at, at the end of the day, this guy's not with us anymore. And so what difference would it have made if I had torn a new one, right? Like I, I would have been, I would have just been like, okay, I, I, whatever. I made a point. He, like I said, he didn't have tons and tons of followers on Instagram. Nobody really saw that work, but he was proud of it because he got to go do a fashion shoot, a professional fashion shoot. And even though he didn't have his stuff hooked up to the flash, he still got the shots. And so, you know, it was just, it's an interesting story, but uh, yeah, I, the going back to it though is I, I did try to teach him everything that I knew, and he did uh, before he passed. I mean, I did see him start to kind of uh, develop his portfolio a little bit. So hopefully, ho- hopefully, in his short time on this uh, earth, he, he you know I, I made a positive impact on his life, and I guarantee you, if I had torn him a new one, that you know, I mean, he was just a sweet kid, and I don't know, I I might I, I might have. Younger me would have discouraged him from ever picking up a camera again because I used to be uh, really, really harsh and to the point. And sometimes I still can be but when I need to uh, in limited amounts. Yeah, the the most I ever get asked for um, for help is I do get asked to, to be assisted. And I, I thought it was interesting that you brought up that that's uncomfortable for you because it's uncomfortable for me because in my mind, I, I don't see myself as having that much to offer in a photo shoot. Like I just, I don't see what, what they're seeing. And so it's, it's usually like, I don't have, I don't like, I plan on my shoots so that I don't need an assistant. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, I do too, but, but here's, here's the thing, depending on how green they are, like when you do a photo shoot, the things that just feel like a photo shoot to you, you don't realize it because it come it just becomes part of your habit. You're doing like a thousand things. And of those thousand things, like maybe 500 of them, that person's never experienced or done before. And so you're just like going about doing your photo shoot. You're doing things like, so I talk to myself when I shoot, um, like I'm, I'm talking to myself through my light settings and all that, which is great. If you're trying to learn how to, uh, how to like do a studio session, I'm, I, I would say I'm great in the sense that you can at least hear me talking through what I'm doing. Oh, you talk out yeah. loud. Yeah. I talk out loud. Now maybe, maybe the images will end up sucking. I mean, that's, that's in the eye of the beholder, but know that things are going well. Uh, whereas sometimes we get photographers and it's just dead air and they're like super uncomfortable. They're like, Oh, like, is, am I doing this right? Am I doing well? And if they just like keep to themselves and they're super introverted when they shoot, which a lot of photographers are, let's just be honest. There's a lot of photographers out there who are weird, weird people. Maybe they have a really great (laughs) eye, but they suck with people and they suck with business. I can't tell you how many broke photographers I know who are talented, but but I, I, I do the narration thing because uh, that's how I need to be. I need to narrate myself through a shoot. That's how I get from point A to point B. And it just so happens that uh, one of the benefits is that most models are comfortable with that. Um, but when it, when it comes to assistance, uh, you know, like I said, they, they see things 
that you just think are part of your photo shoot, but to them, it's the first time they're ever seeing it. And so they're like, oh, okay, inverse square law. I'm actually seeing him move the lights, and now I'm seeing why this inverse square thing, like every time he doubles the distance, you lose like 75% light. Oh, I, I'm, I'm actually seeing what happens to the hard shadows when you get up closer versus when you pull the light away. Okay, I'm following this now. And it's things you can't even explain. You're just doing. And, and that's good. But, you know, when it comes to when it comes to uh, assistance, do you vet your assistance? What does that even mean? So, well, I'll tell you exactly what that means. So uh, so they, they say that uh, you your industry chooses you. You don't choose your industry. Well, 95 percent of the people who reach out to me who want to shoot are women. Okay. Even though if I had my, my person, like I, I actually go look for men because I think, I think it's just kind of gotten to this point now where even if, when men look at my, my, my Instagram or my website, they see so many shots of women that they, they, well, he doesn't shoot men. If you go to my website, I have it much more evenly, uh, uh, you know, sorted out so you can see that, yes, I do shoot, I do shoot men, but I'm very, uh, particular about who I want on set on, a, on with a woman. I mean, like, oh, because, yeah. because I, I have done this before where, and this happened once is I had an assistant on set. So you know, there's etiquette and we'll do an entire episode on this, but like, you know, don't tell a model that they look sexy. Don't tell a model that they look hot, you know, things like that. When you're taking the picture, I just say, I usually just say gorgeous or you look, you know, that looks beautiful. Or that looks great. Uh, you could maybe get away with, Oh, that looks hot. Not you look hot, but that looks hot. You might be able to get away with that. But so you get these dudes who like the second they see a model, like whatever you're doing a shot where she, she's not wearing a top, but maybe she's covering up with her hands or something. Right. Just um, implied. And they just can't handle themselves. It's like, dude, like you are in the wrong industry. If you cannot like handle yourself around a woman, like, like this is just business. Like, like this is just part of the shoot. Like it's no different. Like, her not wearing a top is no different than what shoe she's wearing, uh, what color gel I decided to use. It's just it's just a a, a check a check mark on a, on a list of th things that I need to do right, and you know you just see it happen with some sometimes with these assistants they just can't handle themselves and so a lot of times uh, when when I'm trying an assistant out for the first time and it's a guy assistant it actually I think uh, it's funny the models who reach out to me are, are like 95% women 5% men but the assistants who reach out to me are like 95% men and 5% women <laughs> funny how that works so I have to I do have to vet them I do have to make sure that they're uh, you know not creepy because it's not just a bad reflection on them. It's a bad reflection on me. It's like, wow, you know, you choose the wrong people, Kevin. And so I have to, I have to vet them. So what I do is I'll, I'll, if I, if I have a new guy, I'll put him on a shoot where I'm shooting another guy just cause I want to see how they kind of are on set a little bit and just see if they're even useful to me. And then I'll try them out with a female model. I, yeah, if, if personally, if I thought that someone I was going to bring on the set would be an issue in any way, shape or form that they, they just wouldn't be brought on set. Um, but a lot of the people who ask are, uh, people that I already have kind of a relationship with, or, you know, know them well enough to where I know that they just would never do that. And a lot of them are already, uh, somewhat established photographers in their own right. They're just trying to, you know, sharpen iron with iron. Um, and that's, that's the thing. That's why it's so important for, other photographers to help um, provide resources is because as you get better and better in photography, that learning curve um, 
it 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 um, it flattens out, and and that means that when you when you start learning after you get to a certain point, you're going to be fighting for inches and not miles anymore. So, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's another reason though why I'm so generous um, in teaching people everything I know and sending the ladder back down is because. I know that everybody's fighting for inches at that point. And so any knowledge I can give them is appreciated, you know? And it's not just that I've, I've, I've learned from assistance before, you know, it's not just about me teaching knowledge and it's, and it's not even just about knowledge. It's also about success. Like if you're successful and there's enough to, to go around, share that success with other people. Like, so uh, let's say you have you're shooting for a brand or whatever and you're like well i need to be super protective i don't ever want anybody to shoot for this brand or whatever you know i don't want to share my success with my friends uh when you share your success with your friends so inevitably something is going to come up at some point when you cannot shoot for that brand because you're booked you're out on a family vacation whatever you've got reasons why you cannot be there on that date so rather than just going sorry you could be instead that person who is the guy who said, sorry, I can't do it, but I have this other photographer I recommend. And now you've just opened up that door and sent the ladder back down for that photographer. And you become more valuable to that brand because that brand says, oh, this photographer does really amazing work for us. And in that unlikely event that they're not available, uh, they have another person that they can recommend. So they're now more valuable to us because they're resourceful in addition to being an awesome photographer. And I personally don't think I'm going to lose that brand. Like from that point onward, they're going to start using the other photographer. I have enough uh, confidence in my own skills that I'm going to maintain that relationship. And, you know, you just do the follow-up like, hey, how did everything go? Just want to make sure, you know, sorry, I'm super busy or whatever, but I you know let's let's do better, not better planning. You don't want to make it sound like it's their fault, but let's, let's try to plan better in the future. You just, there, there's things that you can do to make sure that you maintain that client. But now that, that that person has that in their portfolio and you're helping elevate their career. And, and so that's just how I feel about it. And when I was younger, I didn't feel that way about it. So, uh, my answer to that is that a lot of people think that, um, the world revolves around them, myself included, you know, the ego is a powerful thing. Um, but what's really important in going places, even if it's just getting better is people. You know, you've, you've got all the time in the world to, to better your own craft and, and, you know, like improve yourself and what you're able to do with a camera and editing software and with the light and locations that you have, but you do need other people. And that's how you get ahead in life is through other people, you know, ask anyone, ask anyone who's in, in business, you know, they're, they're extroverts by principle. So um, in terms of passing the ladder back down, you need to develop these relationships. You need to help other people. You know, you do need to ask for help and you, you do, you should be giving help to others, um, free of charge, you know, or, or free of guilt, uh, because that's, what's going to, you know, that's, what's going to help you in the long run. It's a journey, you know, it's, um, it's the time space continuum, you know, your, your space and matter going through time. And it's a symbiotic relationship and you can't, uh, you can't do it without other people. You are listening to the F11 photography podcast. The wedding industry, I think when it's a well-oiled machine is a great example of sending the ladder back down because wedding season, people tend to get married around the same time. Most people get married like in the spring and in the summer. I mean, there are fall weddings and winter weddings, obviously, but 
most people, if you did a poll, probably want to get married at that time. Well, a lot of photographers are overwhelmed and they have to pass off weddings. A lot of a lot of first shooters or second shooters on other weddings. And so it's kind of an incestuous industry. And and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, the, the photographers who are smart in that industry do send the letter back down because guess what? People who get married, they have friends who get married and people get divorced and then get remarried. And that, that, that industry stays very, very well stocked with clients. And so if you're smart... Uh, you do send the ladder down in a situation like that. Brennan and I often will talk from the standpoint of portrait slash editorial photography, and I just want to like try to work in other industries into this because there are other industries where that's a big deal. I know event event photographers in general, uh, people who shoot concerts. There's a lot of that going on, but you at the end of the day. You know, you you don't want to just be known as a great photographer. It's also nice to be known as a photographer who also is resourceful and 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 helps people out in times of need. A lot of times people just think about the selfish people think about, well, why do I want to send the letter back down when it's just benefiting that person? It's not benefiting me. I'm just taking care of somebody underneath me. Well, first of all, there's that satisfaction of helping people out. I love mentoring people. I think it's great. But what people don't think about is what could come of that. So when I get a green photographer who reaches out to me that wants to learn something, oftentimes, like after I have that uh, session with them where they assist me and all that, like a month or two later, I just, I look at my inbox blows up and I'm like, what's going on? That photographer's like, Hey, I had this gig that fell in my lap. It's, it's too much for me. Like I can't do it, but I thank you for helping me out two months ago. So I'm going to pass it on to you. It's something that they're not, they know that they're not qualified to do because you know, there's, there's when you when you first start out you're so green you really don't know what you're qualified to do you you're, you're just trying to figure out how to like learn things like the exposure triangle and all that then you get to a point where you're starting to figure it out and then as you get uh you know more and more along on your photography journey you're very aware of what you can't do and you know when to turn something down but they finally get to that point where they start realizing that I'm in I'm in over my head I need to get somebody else involved and I have on many occasions uh, had people who I've mentored interns uh, reach back out to me and go, Hey, I have this event at the JW Marriott. That's like eight hours and they need like all these different, they have all these different types of requirements for it. And I, I know that I can't do this. And so they hand me business. So let's just summarize on that. You let somebody assist you on a job, hold your light, do something that you didn't have planned out, but helped you out and elevated your shoot. Okay. That, that in and of itself is a benefit from that. You helped that person grow as a photographer, which should hopefully give you some sense of fulfillment. But then down the road, that same photographer had some gig that was uh, larger than they could handle, and then they gave it to you. So you also made money off of that. And so my point being is, you know, if you believe in karma or whatever, like look at what that produced. It elevated a shoot and it might have even been a paid shoot, you know, that you're doing. So you, you're ma you're making something, you're building your brand there because let's say you're shooting for a brand and this assistant helped your shoot out in some way that made the shoot better. That strengthens your brand and that's a good thing. And so, you know, people, as you correctly uh, mentioned, think this, thinks that the world revolves around them. But a lot of times if you make the world not revolve around you and you help others, you end up on the back end getting so many uh, better benefits out of it and you grow. 
That's that's the wonderful thing is those those benefits they're unexpected. You know, it's uh, you open your email months after an assist. You month you open your email months after handing someone a client that you just didn't have the time or the equipment at the time to do. And you know, suddenly, suddenly, months down the line, you're you're getting it back, and it comes in all different forms. And it's really it's really exciting when that happens. Um, yeah, specifically, uh, specifically, stuff that's happened to me is um, people that I help. They don't necessarily uh, give me opportunities; they give me connections. That's what more so happens to me. Is like, hey, I know this guy who needs. Um, who needs a photographer, you know, I don't know what his deal is, but you know, you shouldn't, you should get in touch with him. Absolutely. Just, just, uh, even, even becoming friends with other photographers, like some of your clients and brands and people that you work with ever since we started this podcast have just started following me. Cause like, Oh, I'm aware that this person exists. Right. And I'm sure that it's the other way. I'm like, I know that some of the models I've worked with in the past, now that I've worked or like talking about doing projects with you. And that's great. You should celebrate that kind of stuff. And, and to the, the point I was making earlier about jealousy, like when I see somebody take a picture that I wish I had taken, I'm now to the point where I'm happy for them and I root for their success. And you should want those around you to be successful because if you have a good community, it's the saying that uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. I, I think I might have butchered that, but basically, if if you know if 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 somebody is successful around you and they subscribe to the theory of sending the ladder back down, it could benefit you as well. But if you're closed and you're you're you're, you're reserved and you hide your secrets. That's going to be your reputation. And so when it comes time for, let's say, a really successful photographer in your area is overbooked and a nice brand reaches out to them, guess who they're not going to call? Guess who they're not going to reach out to? You, because you didn't help them out. You were very uh, cold with how you responded to the uh, exchange of information. And you fail to pick up on the thing that I talked about earlier, which is that everybody knows something that you don't. Even green photographers know things about photography that I don't. Like photography, there's so much you can learn in photography. Like I've been doing photography for 20 years and guess what I still don't know how to do? I don't know how to focus stack because I've never had to do it. I don't shoot any styles of photography that require me to focus stack. So I don't know anything about it. So I'm definitely not going to go around the world thinking that I'm some sort of an expert on it. In my YouTube channel, I don't do any YouTube stuff that requires focus stacking. I don't speak on focus stacking because I stay in my lane. Now, do I do I need to probably learn that? Yeah, I do because one of my goals in life is to be a complete photographer, and I do want to learn certain things, even if I don't end up using them, because I just want to know why I like or don't like it. You know, you can't you can't say you don't like something that maybe if you never experienced it, right? And so HDR. Nope, that's not true. I don't like HDR. You don't like the look of it. I did. Nope, it's wrong. It's, it is, it was an explosion of a new idea in the early 2000s and people thought that seeing every bit of data for the sake of reality was, was right. I just, HDR, sorry. I, there are some, I, I personally, I'm with you in that I don't shoot HDR and I don't particularly like it. I've done some landscapes with HDR and uh, it looked, it looked pretty interesting, but I do know some landscape photographers who shoot in HDR and it looks pretty fantastic to me. Uh, and they're very successful and they do really well with it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's subjective. Um, you know, I personally, once again, old man, old man, I used to shoot on film, 
Uh, you get what you get out of it, and that's it. Go buy equipment that has good dynamic range. <laughs> that's you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to know how you you don't need to do HDR. Go buy a Fuji GFX 100s. Then <laughs> you don't have to do HDR. I uh, no that camera. I uh, so so I shoot in the studio, and I shoot on location. You know, models, portraits, and I have my custom buttons set up uh, to where I have this thing where I toggle. Because uh, if you're listening and you have a mirrorless camera, you should know that uh, mirrorless cameras have like an exposure preview. So if you're shooting at like if you're shooting at like 2.8 and then you open up your aperture to f1.4, you should see your screen on the back get lighter if you're doing exposure simulation because it's like, oh, this is about what the exposure is going to look like. Now, it doesn't account for flash, but if you're just doing like natural lighting, it's like this is about what your, your shot's going to look like at 1.4. So maybe you need to back off your shutter speed or whatever to, you know, or maybe lower your ISO to get the shot back where it needs to be. And Sometimes I forget to turn that off. So when you're in the studio, you have to turn that setting off because the studio, uh, you have to turn that setting off because your camera doesn't know what the flash is going to do. And so you just have to turn it off and you just want your screen to be as bright as possible so you can see the subject and you can light them up. Well, sometimes I'll do a, a session at my studio and then we'll go outside and shoot. And I totally forgot to turn that setting off. And so it was like, like it was, it was reading like it was perfectly exposed, but it was like way way underexposed because it was expecting me to hit somebody with a strobe. And I went out and I shot my uh, GFX 100S five stops, completely underexposed. The picture would basically look black. And I just went in and I turned the exposure up and I raised the shadows and it looked every bit as good as a shot from a normal camera. I mean, if you zoomed in and pixel pixel peeped, you could see a tiny bit of noise and grain, but it was so good that the model like put it on their Instagram. They're like, Oh, this looks amazing. And it's in their portfolio. So I'm like, okay. Yay. <laughs> that's so, that's just so beyond <laughs> every, what every photographer knows about photography. They just shoot five stops underexposed and you just drag that shadows lever all the way up. You know, I used to always, and, and my, if you go check out my YouTube channel, my reviews are for the most part non-technical. I'm always like, hey, let's go look at two years of my work taken with this lens because that's really all I care about is how, how, does, how does it look? What can I do with it? Because looking at charts and pixel peeping and all that, like you don't accomplish much. However, uh, the, the, one, the, one, the one test I always used to laugh at is, well, here's what happens when you underexpose at five stops or overexpose at five stops and they try to recover it. And I was like, those tests are so stupid. And here I am telling a story about how it saved my ass. <laughs> so wow. go figure. But, um, but anyway, I just want to summarize in today's episode, uh, if, you're, if you're listening, you know, do not be that person I, I implore you, do not be that person who uh, doesn't want to share their secrets, doesn't want to share their locations, doesn't want to share their success, doesn't want to share their experience and their knowledge. Because when you leave this earth, you know, it's great that people think that you're a great photographer, but they should also think of you as a great person. And that does it for today's episode. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, we're going to have some, uh, cool episodes coming up here soon we're going to be doing an episode on models soon uh, we'll be doing an episode on you know self-development how to develop as a photographer 
We've got some future episodes planned with some guests. We'll talk about retouching. We'll talk about uh, things like fine art photography. And so we really do want you to stick around for those. We appreciate your support. And you can check us out at f11.com. Our handle on Instagram and Twitter is also f11. And until next time, chase light. Not out. I fucked that up. Chase light, (laughs) not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.